0: Hey guys, just a quick intro to this episode. I had to actually record this while I was on the road and I was trying it with a new microphone and I didn't do enough homework on my end to ensure that the sound was coming out uh, good and what resulted was a lot of clipping. So uh, my editing folks did the best that they could, but I apologize ahead of time for the quality of this audio not up to snuff of what I would normally expect but it was totally on me for not doing my part ahead of time to make sure I had the proper setup. I didn't want to lose the episode because I felt the content that uh, was provided was really really good so hopefully it's not too bad and I hope you still get something out of this interview with Nick. Welcome back to Podcast Junkies aka the podcaster's voice. If you're new to the show, this is the program where we speak to interesting, fascinating, fun, engaging, awesome, inspiring podcasters from across the podverse. That's a word I just made up, by the way. And uh, have some candid and and, uh, casual conversations in the hopes that you get to understand and know them a bit more, especially if you're fans of their existing shows. This episode is brought to you by Podfly. Podfly is a podcast production company that handles everything you need to make your podcast sound amazing. So from the audio aspect, it's handling the mastering of the audio, cleaning up both sides if you're recording an episode and you have some extra noise on your interviewer side or a fire truck going by on your side. Obviously, if you've done this before, you know that you can do this on your own, but I thought it was in my best interest to hand this specific task over to the experts, and that's why they take care of that for me now, and it's really lifted a burden off of my back and allows me to focus on the things that I want to focus on with regards to my podcast, which is trying to improve the quality of the guests, focusing on my interview prep and doing the marketing and socialization of my show. In addition to audio editing, they can provide transcripts, uh, show notes, tweetables, show links, all the things that I think are necessary when you create a show notes page. And why that's important is when listeners come to your website and they check out uh, an episode that they're they're really engaging with, uh, it's just human interest uh, and, and natural for them to come over and uh, check out what was talked about on the show and... When that's done for you it's really an amazing thing so head on over to podfly.net slash podcast junkies and you will find a super awesome secret link that uh, will give you something special as a result of you listening to this show it's their gift to you on my behalf podfly.net slash podcast junkies so do me a favor check them out and it's your way of supporting the show so this week's guest is Nick Suberling, host of Inside the Jungle, a Cincinnati Bengals podcast, or fancast, I guess you could call it, which has recently completed its five-year anniversary. Five years in podcasting is an amazingly long time, uh, so kudos to Nick and his team at Inside the Jungle for that uh, that special occasion. I, I, I think Nick is the first sports podcast I'm thinking now out loud right now live and yeah I think he's the first sports podcast to come a sports podcaster to come on the show and so I'm really happy when I get a wide range of hosts represented on Podcast Junkies because I think it's representative of the medium itself you know podcasting is not just entrepreneurial it's not just storytelling it's not just sports. it's not just comedy it's all of that and a bunch of other categories that I've probably left out and as much as possible, I'm going to continue to expand the range of guests that come on board. Um, I think the only qualification is that they're just as passionate about podcasting as I am, and that's certainly the case with Nick. So we cover uh, a wide range of topics, and including his background in radio, how far back his passion for sports extends, and some interesting stories about uh Related to his podcast and an and interesting thing that has happened as a result of his podcast. So listen for that and enjoy my conversation with Nick Suberling. So, Mr. Nick Suberling, thank you so much for being a guest on Podcast Junkies.
1: I'm so excited. I'm a huge fan of the show. Never thought a day would come that I'd be a guest of yours. And this is pretty cool. I'm really excited. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I think if you if I think about the definition of a podcast junkie, you're your your uh your name and your uh, i want to say your vision but i think the photo of you with the podcast junkie shirt certainly comes to mind which uh i was handing out at at a podcast movement and uh i I really feel honored when when folks um were, were going out of their way to wear it not only at the conference but a lot of folks were wearing it on their way home and so i saw some pictures from folks in in the airport um, which you did as well, which I which I think is awesome, and I thank you for that.
1: No problem. Yeah i I didn't get a lot of shirts that weekend, so that was I think genius on your part to to go and hand those out to everybody, and it was free, which is even better. So uh, everybody loves free shirts, right? So uh, it's a cool shirt. I like the yellow. It actually fits me. Like, you know i as a as a taller man, Harry, it's hard to find t shirts that fit right. So that one fits perfectly. So uh, thank you. I, I like that shirt. Yeah,
0: believe it or not, uh, there's some math around uh, what what's the distribution of sizes. And and I left there with one extra medium shirt, and I took fifty there, and I had the range of sizes from small to like X and double XL. And I, I I guess the people who give those estimates are right because I, I, the people of all shapes and sizes came to ask for one, um, and uh, and I handed them out, and I'm glad there was one that fit you perfectly.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you, you mentioned that. I wish I would have done that math because I'm sitting on tons and tons of Inside the Jungle t-shirts here in my studio that are all large, 2X, 3X, because uh, I don't know why I ordered so many of those. But all the mediums and larges went, went like hotcakes. So <laughs> I wish I would have done that math beforehand because now I'm just sitting on all this t-shirt inventory that's not moving. So is that wishful thinking on your part that some of the Bengals uh, players were going to be asking you for shirts? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, I think a part of that was I, I know the shirts that I wear and the, that I'm comfortable, and I the way I and maybe this is wrong of me to do this, but I guess I visioned my audience to be somewhat similar to me in size. And I had never done this before. I'd never uh, ordered merchandise or ordered t shirts, uh, t shirt inventory, basically. I'd never done inventory of, of any of any nature. So I kind of went into into this blind and. But thought, well, I, I'm assuming... See, that's what happens when you assume. I'm assuming that most of my audience is a lot, a lot like me and they want bigger shirts that are comfortable. Well, why was I wrong?
0: So have you had any like, n- intel over the, the years of doing the show that you now have a, a clearer picture of who your audience is?
1: I don't. Funny you say that. I, I have intel as far as where people are located... Kind of jobs that they work, um, you know you know how they became fans of of the Bengals, that sort of thing, but i don 't you know unless they follow me on facebook or, or or Twitter, and even then twitter's sketchy because not everybody uses their their picture for their profile picture. do you know what I mean so i, I unfortunately i don 't have a lot of intel when it comes to physical attributes to my audience now. I can tell you probably between 30 and 40 people off the top, you know, like that, where they live, what they do, and and that sort of thing, which is probably more important.
0: And so the show's been running since 2010, and you just celebrated your five-year anniversary. That's right. Yeah, August 23rd. And so congratulations on that.
1: Thank you very much.
0: It's a big deal, uh, and I know for myself, having done this for over a year and a half, uh, we have to look at all those milestones and take some time to reflect on the progress we've made so far. Because if we don't celebrate the small wins, I think we just prod ahead and drive ourselves into the ground and and, and just get frustrated and don't feel like we're making progress. So I think celebrating is, is a really important part of
1: the journey. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable when you think about it that – that people get so attached to the shows that we do, right? Like when I started the show back in 2010, there wasn't another Bengals podcast out there. And I actually wasn't even the host. I was the kind of the producer and the brains behind it all. I personally wasn't even comfortable with, with hosting the show. My, my friend, my best friend, um, he and I, we graduated college together. We were in the same radio program, and he, you know, he had been doing radio work and, and doing a lot of play, but sports play by play. I figured, you know what? He's a natural at hosting. How about you host? I'll, I'll do the, the legwork. I'll edit it. I'll do the show notes. I'll, I'll promote it. And it really worked for that first season. And it's amazing to see where the show has come since that, that very first episode in that first season. I, I, never would have expected it to, to be where it's at. I'm, I'm surprised that the show's made it five years, but people, you know, that, that, what keeps us going is we get fans who are always saying like, you know, you make my Thursday because without your show, I don't know what I would do. And that, I, that to me is amazing. Yeah, it's crazy
0: because you don't even think about the impact you're having on people. And, and sometimes you've got to get out of the recording studio or the bedroom or wherever you're at. And, and, and I know you're a big fan of conferences. We've run into each other a couple of times already this year. So uh, talk about like the importance of meeting some of the fans, that, as I'm sure you have in real life.
1: It is important um, for for a couple of different reasons. One, the the fans are going to be the ones that they go out and and they spread the word and they tell their friends and their family about this cool podcast. And, you know, they they have similar interests to to us. So getting to know them and getting to meet them in person is it is a big deal. Um, You know, we took the show uh, on location back in April. Uh, We went to Nick Lachey's bar down in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, we did a live uh, NFL draft show from there. And we had about, uh, I, I will say this, I was, I was a little disappointed that we didn't have as many fans out there, but we had eight to 10 regular podcast fans that, that showed up just for us. And that was pretty cool. And I got to take some pictures with them. We invited a couple of them to come up on the stage and, and be on the show. And so it was good to build that face-to-face relationship with the, with these uh, quote unquote, super fans of, of our podcast it, it does go a long way, and you know you don't realize it, but you do are you are making an impact on on some of these people without even realizing it.
0: I would imagine for a lot of these people um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but would your podcast have been the first podcast they listened to
1: sports fans maybe that's a good question I don't know um, it, it's possible. I have had a few people tell me that they they, they listen to, to Inside the Jungle to start with. And then from there they branched out to to other podcasts. And so that's kind of cool to hear that, knowing that I, I helped educate them on, on what podcasting is. And then now they're 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 exploring all the other options out there. I know there, there are a lot of uh, not just football fans, but like say I know I know of one Bengals fan in particular who's also a soccer fan. So I know he listens to to some other soccer podcasts as well. So um, and that all—it's really neat to see that there are, there are fans of what we're doing with Inside the Jungle, which is very obviously very sports sports heavy. But people are branching out and, and listening to to shows like Serial and obviously and and, and some of the bigger ones.
0: So you, you know you mentioned and there were there were probably eight to ten fans there. And I, but I think what's really powerful is the fact that those are super fans, right? Those people that. Watch everything you do. Listen to everything. Every podcast. I've probably been there for years and years. And you know, I I have a uh, I have one fan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a shout out right now. Patrick from the Big Sands podcast. He he's the first guy that listens to my episode every time it comes out. And I think it's because he works late on Sunday nights and it comes out Monday morning. So it's so funny. It's almost like clockwork. Like he'll he'll pop up in the Twitter stream, and I always give him a shout out. And I feel honored, you know, that I have fans like that that are just commenting and you know that they're listening and I put some listener hashtags at the end of the show, as, as, as you might know, um, that really rewards those that stay till the end. So it's always an honor to, to have those and it's, it's really, really tiny. I mean, you know, a handful of fans that are like that, but I think you can relate to the fact that w- they almost make up for the other fans because they're so, they're so powerful in their fandom for your show and for you and what you're doing that they sort of make up and, and they carry the enthusiasm for the rest
1: Oh, absolutely. And those six to eight fans that, that showed up that night at Lachey's, I can bank on them showing up every Wednesday night in our chat room when we we're broadcasting our show live because we do stream it live with video and and there is a chat room for, for people to, to come and chat. And so those super fans that were there live in person, I know for a fact they'll be there every Wednesday night in the chat room participating. Some of them call into the show and, and leave their their input on the Bengals. So, you know, it's... Podcasting is it's all about relationships and building that relationship with your audience. And so I can say that, you know, I have built a, a pretty good relationship with, with, with these super fans. And it's definitely rewarding because then that trickles down to things like Patreon, things like ordering t shirts. So, you know, for, for fans of what, what we're doing, the fact that I was able to meet face to face with them and the fact that they tune in every Wednesday night. They're they're really super passionate about the Bengals. They share that with me, and, and it it just helps to build that that deep relationship. So, what was
0: what was the inspiration for you when you got started with the podcast? I know you said you were just in, um, interested in coming on board as a producer, you know, in the background uh, editing the show and producing the show notes. But for actually the the uh, the start of the show, is were you always a fan of um, you know talk talk radio and sports talk radio? Is that where that came from?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I went to school, uh, went to college, got a four-year degree from uh, Bowling Green State University in their communications program. And as a freshman, I would say I think the second weekend I was at school, uh, I was on the air on our student station doing sports updates. And so I knew when I, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a, a sports play-by-play man uh, for, for a team. And with the radio business, the way it is, you, you really have to have connections and, and kind of get lucky. Um, I was one of those guys that coming out of college, I never seemed to find a radio gig. I've never, ha- I've never had a radio gig up until recently, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But um, so that's something I always wanted to do. I'm really passionate about being on the microphone, really passionate about sports. And so back in, believe it or not, May of 2005, Harry... I launched my very first podcast and it was called the tripsleft.com sports shorts and it was literally and I kid you not it was recorded with you remember back in the day when you had the flip cell phones the little flip phones that oh, yeah. had startech the, the little earbud it was just the one earbud like rubber microphone that was the microphone i was using to record the podcast and i would do a three-way cell phone call on my flip phone with my two buddies and i Bought this adapter from Radio Shack that allowed me to plug into my laptop, and I recorded the three-way phone conversation, and that's how we recorded our show. It sounded horrible, (laughs) and going back and listening to it, compared to where we're at now in podcasting, it was just like, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard, man. So, Go ahead. I was just, yeah. So... From there, we did about seven or eight episodes, and guess what? It died, right? (laughs) Imagine that, that magic number. You can't get rid of that, right? The pot-fading number. Part of that was due to, I think we lost interest. We didn't realize how much work was involved at the time, and it was a lot more difficult back then. I was handwriting my XML code because things like WordPress weren't available yet, and it was not easy to do. So it was a lot more work. I relocated and switched jobs had to move in with my folks for a couple months while I was working full time. And so the, the, the passion wasn't there to do podcasting. And so uh, I want to say back in 2008, so about th- what three years later, I knew I still wanted to do a podcast, but we, we needed to get better at it. So we, we started, uh, we relaunched and we came up on the new show called The Pigskin Podcast, which was focused primarily on football whether it be NFL football or college football. And there was, what, three or four co-hosts with me on that show, and it was fun. We did about 100 episodes, and then I had twins. Well, I didn't have twins. My wife had <laughs> twins. And so life got in the way there, and we all kind of went our separate ways, and it, it, it pod faded. But it was a good experience, so I learned a lot during those 100 episodes. All While I was doing the Pigskin podcast, and even with, a little bit with the, the TripsLeft.com sports shorts I kept thinking to myself, we are way too broad. We are, we're covering way too much. Nobody cares who we are. We're not experts in in football. Like if if you're just some random guy who's going on iTunes and you're seeing, you know, tripsleft.com sports shorts or the pigskin podcast, you're probably thinking to yourself, who are these guys? You know? So I knew we needed to narrow our focus and niche down a lot more. And I had always wanted to do, a Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Growing up in Cincinnati, I'm a huge Bengals fan. I I, I knew there needed to be a Cincinnati Bengals podcast because there wasn't one already. And I just thought it would be a good show. I thought we could make it really cool. But I didn't have the confidence to, to host it. So that's where my, my friend Andy Barch came in. Andy Bull Barch because he looks like Bull from Night Court. You remember Night Court? Oh, yeah. He's a dead ringer for Bull. It's pretty funny, actually. And, and he hosted it. And so... It all came from a passion of, of sports talk, radio. I'm a big fan of radio. And after many, many tries at podcasting and different experiment, I call them experimental shows. I, I realized it's better to niche down and, and narrow your focus when it comes to podcasting. Well, first off, that, the name of that first podcast was incredibly long. <laughs> the TripsLeft.com Sports
0: Shorts? I didn't, I didn't even come up with that. I don't know what you guys were thinking there. <laughs> so it's interesting because you kept at it and it just speaks to like the passion that you had for doing something and for you know getting on the air so to speak and and having a a, a voice and talking about something that you love the Cincinnati Bengals um and so it it was it was meant to happen whether it was going to happen with the first or the second and you know luckily you're, you guys are having a ton of luck with uh Inside the Jungle so I think The fact that you had that opportunity to keep trying is probably encouraging to folks who are maybe on their first, and they're saying, "I don't know if this podcast is right," and and also the the aspect of adding a bunch of other co-hosts. I imagine the level of complexity that, that that adds, and people's schedules and. You know, if we have to, I know just with myself, it's hard. And, and then trying to schedule another guest, obviously, it's, there's just enough coordination there. But I can't imagine what it's like once you start getting two and three and four hosts on a show.
1: It does get hectic. Fortunately, I, I've come across through my years of doing Inside the Jungle that uh, I've met some, some good Bengals fans that are, are passionate about the show and, and want to be contributors. They want to be on uh, each and every week. Uh, after Andy left the show, um, our, our, at the time, our show, the show was originally called Who Day Weekly. And uh, so at that point, there was th- that website for Who Day Weekly, and there was another Bengals website that was looking to do a podcast. And we kind of merged websites, and that's where I ran across um, my co-host, uh, Mickey, who is still with us today. And then from there, we merged into with another website, cincyjungle.com. And that's where Anthony came on board and Scott came on board. And I've been really lucky that every Wednesday night, they know that we're doing a show no matter what. And sometimes they can make it and sometimes they can't. And it, it's probably better that we have four co-hosts because if if, in the case that two have to miss, I know that there's at least one co-host on the show with me and we'll be able to make it work with two voices. Let alone, you know, we add in the fact that we'll have callers that'll help as well with the content. But, it, you know, they know as long as we made, it, we made it consistent every Wednesday night, they know there's a show. And I think that's actually what helped the most.
0: So, how, what's your earliest memory of being like a, a sports fan? Maybe not even specifically the Bengals, but just, you know, passion, your passion for sports in general.
1: The earliest memory I have is growing up. Pete Rose was a big deal in Cincinnati and I was born in 81 and right around 1985, Pete Rose was going for, it might've been 86. See, this is, yeah, I think it was 86. Actually, Pete Rose was, was going for the record to, to break Ty Cobb's all time hit record. And one of the earliest memories I have is being at a Reds game. I was actually at the game before Pete broke the record. I couldn't see over the, over the rail. I just remember it being loud And the girl next to me had a bruise on her hand so she couldn't clap her hands so she would smack her leg to clap. And that's all I remember. I couldn't see the game. I just, I knew I was at a Reds game and I was in heaven. I I grew up loving the Cincinnati Reds and I grew up actually loving baseball. And it's funny how that has completely shifted. (laughs) I cannot stand baseball anymore and I really don't follow the Reds anymore to be honest with you. But um, that's probably my earliest memory of, of sports. Obviously, I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing t-ball and, and playing soccer. But from a professional sports standpoint, probably the, the biggest memory I have is being at that Reds game.
0: That's so funny because it is uh, an impactful memory for you. Just simply by the way I, – and I can tell simply by the way you've described all the, the specific details about that day and the fact that you remember that there was, there was a girl – next to you clapping uh, by slapping her, her leg. Um, it's, it's crazy because you remember those things and, and you can, the fact that you can point to that one specific moment is like the moment that something shifted in you and it's like, wow, this is so much fun to do. And, and I agree, ball games are much more
1: fun in person than they are watching them on TV. The best part though, Harry, is that I didn't realize at the time that Pete Rose was even going for a record. I didn't find out until years later that I was at the game before. I, I had no idea. I was just there and, and loving life and, and having a great time eating my ice cream out of a Reds helmet and uh, just trying my best not to make my mom mad.
0: <laughs> it's funny because, so I'm a, I am grew up in New York, so I uh, well, was a Yankees fan. And the only time I watch the Yankees games now is when I come to visit my parents and they're still watching them. So I sat down and we watched the Yankees game, but I just, when I'm back home, I live in LA now and I, I, I literally don't have the three hours to sit and watch a baseball game uh, in per, in person, much less on TV. And, and, and I probably haven't been to a stadium in a while, but I was, um, so in 80, in 96, the Yankees were back in the world series for the first time since I think 78. When they, they beat until, the Reds. Yep. Right. No, we
1: beat you. We beat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then, um, so we were going, you know, New York, New York fans were going absolutely bonkers. And so I went, the minute they went on, or the minute they clinched, the tickets went on sale. So we ran down to the stadium in the Bronx. We live in Yonkers, which is, uh, we were living in the Yonkers, which is the, the first city that you see once, you, once you're outside New York City people tons of people waiting there waiting online we bought the lawn chairs and everything and long story short i waited for 26 hours for tickets wow it was was bananas there was a mad rush like at 2 a.m when someone thought the gate was open and someone had created like there was a hole in the fence people bum rushed the gate people's the chair got sucked out of my hand because there was we were there was the one time i actually felt like i was going to get trampled to death it was the craziest experience ever because i was moving forward but i mean I could have not like lifted. I could have lifted my feet off the ground, and the crowd would have still moved me forward. Holy cow! It was so crazy, and I, and I, you know, you hear about those people that get crushed in stampedes, and that's what I felt like. I was like, wow, like these people are crazy, and it's the 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 madness of the crowds. And so it, that calmed down, and then we got back online, and and we were just making friends with like complete strangers. So by the end of like twenty six hours together with people, <laughs> you become buddies with, with these uh, with these people. And I got uh, four tickets. My brother got four tickets and i ended up going and by the time i got to the window there's only game six left and i'm like oh man the yankees are gonna sweep this is gonna be awesome this is i'm not even gonna get to go to a game and so i don't know if you remember but that was the series that uh, atlanta won the first three
1: i don't know atlanta
0: won the first two yep. and so then the yankees proceed to win three four five and all of a sudden i'm sitting with game six tickets and i'm like wow they could clinch you were at the clinching game? I was at the clinching <laughs> oh, game. <laughs> how lucky are you? So it was amazing. We got up. Um we were sitting obviously high up in the in the in the in the bleacher section. That's all we could we had at that time. But just to be in the building, the entire building was like vibrating. Like it was it was just crazy. And it's like these are concrete, you know, bleachers, but you could feel like the almost like the, the stadium shaking, and it was just like once I mean after that experience, Game Six clinching, saw World Series. I'm like, okay, I
1: don't, I don't really. After that, it's all downhill. I remember that World Series, and I can't remember his last name, but I know the third baseman caught the final out. His name was Charlie Hayes. Hayes, thank you. Oh, very, very vivid memory. And by the way, I was wrong about '78. I'm pretty sure you played the Dodgers that year because we played you in '76. Okay, The World Series. That was the big Red Machine. That was a big deal back yeah, then. '75 yeah, yeah. was Boston, and '76 was New York. So. That's awesome. You were at a clinching World Series.
0: Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then they proceeded to steamroll through the 90s. And then at some point, you're watching like the fourth or fifth World Series, and you're like, ah, it's, it's exciting and you want them to win. But it's just, there's nothing like, you know, I imagine Boston fans and Chicago fans and all sorts of fans can relate to when your team is, hasn't been to the big game in years and that you're just frothing at the mouth waiting for that opportunity. And when it finally comes, you just, people, it's madness.
1: Yeah, well, Boston's been, you know, they had that long streak where they couldn't win a World Series. They finally got over that hump. Now it's the uh, Cubs fans. They're the ones who have all the misery. And, um, yeah, I, I, I give my, my good friend Corey Finneran a, a, a nice tease every once in a while. He's excited because the Cubs are actually doing well this year. And I keep reminding him that, you know, you're a Cubs fan for a reason. It's going to come crashing down at some point.
0: So we'll we'll use that as an opportunity to segue into your new podcast with uh, Corey, uh, Podcasters Group Therapy, which I I discovered probably about maybe 10 episodes in, and then I had heard uh, about you guys, because you know, we've got a small podcasting family, and we all overlap with the groups that we're in or the conferences we attend, and and I kept hearing Podcasters Group Therapy, Podcasters Group Therapy,
1: which is another mouthful, mouthful, that's (laughs) why. Well, that's why we shorten it to PGT. PGT, with the help of Dave. Uh, Dave Jackson. He 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 always says it as PGT. He says PGT, baby. That's right. So did so. How did you and
0: Corey meet? Just probably going back a bit before you even started it. Um, you both host uh, sports podcasts. So was that the connection?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, a couple years ago, I want to say. Back in 2010, might even, might even, yeah, I think it was 2010. We we kind of met online through through different. Uh, I think it was just through Twitter, and I would kind of discovered Corey's network, uh, Relentless Podcast Network, and then uh, from there I discovered oh wait he's the sports podcaster that's cool, and so we just kind of we we started tweeting each other, and then that carried over into Gmail chat, and then for a while when I was working a desk job. I don't think the day went by where we weren't communicating in a, in a, in a Google chat talking about podcasting different ideas and bouncing ideas off of one another. So that, that, that connection started real strong. Then that led into, you know, after a couple of years, we were like, we need to be doing a show together. Why aren't we doing a show together? And we kind of, you know, we had ideas on what we could do. And do, do we really think we could pull it off? And I was like, you know what? We could do a podcast on podcasting that's different than anybody else, right? You know, the way you do your show on podcasts on on podcasting, Harry, is completely different to how Dave Jackson does it, to how Daniel J. Lewis does it, to how Cliff Ravenscraft does it. I wanted to bring, and it may not come across this way, but my idea was we need to make a podcast that's a lot like morning radio. It's lighthearted, it's fun, it's a conversation amongst different people rather than one voice with maybe a guest here or there. You know what I mean? We I wanted to make it a group setting and just just have fun with it and make it make it fun and you know, try our best to be morning radio, even, even though it's a podcast. So that was the vision. I don't know if it actually ended up that way, but it's been a lot of fun. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback from from a lot of podcasters saying how much they appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the dynamic and you've probably heard that all you all have different personalities, right? So it's Corey and Tony uh, and, and yourself, and you each bring a different take on on your experiences podcasting, um, and the fact that you all also do your own podcasts, you bring that to the table, and you all got different sense of senses of humor, <laughs> and you sort of feed off each other really, really well. So I think the dynamic of the three of you on the show is something that you don't see a lot. You know, typically you see maybe two people, maybe one uh, talking about podcasting. But I think what you you guys are not afraid to do is let the conversation go in different directions. Uh, you have some overarching themes and I know you've got topics that you want to cover every, every week, but I think you keep it pretty free flowing and it's been fun to watch. And then recently you've started putting the, the, uh, the podcast on blab, which is uh, for folks that don't know and haven't heard of blab. It's a new, uh, instant video chat, um, uh, system similar to Google Hangouts, but just a thousand times easier to set up. So, uh, you know, talk about how, you know, wh- why that might have been important for you to guys to adopt that new platform and how it been a fit for your show.
1: We kind of stumbled upon it, to be honest with you. Um, it was one of those things where each week on on PGT, we, we bring or, or highlight a service that podcasters that could be using to make your workflow better or help with growing your audience. And so, I think two episodes ago, we needed a service and Corey said something like, why don't we try this Blab thing? And I had been on a Blab with, with Jared Easley during a, a, a fantasy football draft and, and was like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. But I, I didn't at the time think that it's something that podcasters could use. Well, and then lo and behold, we have our first episode of PGT on Blab and you know you start seeing people tune in that I've never heard of before. And these are just people that are on blab looking for content and who knows, maybe now they're inspired to start a podcast or maybe now they're uh, inspired to go find other podcasts because a lot of podcasters are on this platform and they're using it and they're, they're really doing well with it. I think, I think it's good for podcasting. So we kind of just stumbled across it. We really only meant to do it for one episode. Normally we record a double ender, but I, you know, about an hour before we went live the other night, I asked Corey, are we doing this on Blab again? And he was like, absolutely. So I think that's going to be the route we go from, from here on out. It's, it adds another
0: dynamic. And and it's funny because you were talking earlier about always the desire to always do um, a live radio show, right? And it's so, it's so funny how things come full circle because, in essence, that's what you're doing now. You're doing a live podcasting show, not on the – I don't know if you've used it for Inside the Jungle yet, but for podcast group therapy, it's fun to watch, and it's so funny because you're allowed four windows, four four panels, and you can have people come on um, as you want and and have them click on and join the conversation. But it's so funny because your show, because it's got the three, the three hosts. You know, you fill out the window, so you feel like it's it's really engaging and it's fun to watch all of you. And I don't know if sometimes you guys. Forget or 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 remember the fact that you're on camera because you, it's like people are
1: watching you live, which is
0: which is, which is I don't know if that makes you
1: self conscious. It doesn't. Um, I, a part of it is because I've been doing Inside the Jungle live for for a long time now. I would say we after our second season we decided to, to do the show live, and we did it with audio only first, and then it switched to video. So I've been doing video um, live streaming for for quite a while. We use Google Hangouts for Inside the Jungle. And the reason that I do it that way is because I actually uh, distribute the the video via RSS as well. And I like that it's a full screenshot of everybody who's talking. And so the the camera switches. Whereas with Blab, it's cool to have all of us looking like the Brady Bunch talking on, you know, and and that sort of thing. But I'm distributing it via RSS and it's, I don't know. I, I haven't ruled it out using it for Inside the Jungle, but since I am already distributing the video and, and uh, I, I want it to be the best video possible. I don't know. We'll see. It, but it, it's, I like that it's so interactive. I like that people can chat while they're watching us, which I'm doing as well with inside the jungle, but I like that it's all in one window. Nobody has to open up a separate window so they can have the chat on one side of their screen and the video on the other. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot of fun. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a unique, platform, we'll see how they plan to monetize it so they can keep it around.
0: And it's uh, super engaging from a social media perspective, because with one click of a button, you can tell people um, about the topic that's currently being discussed, and uh, you can have people give you high fives, which are the equivalent of of hearts on Periscope, but you know, just support what you think the, the host is saying. And I just love, love the fact that it's very interactive. So you can chat and share. And, and like you said, it's all in one place. And it's funny because I was on a, a Blab like a month or two ago. And I think it was one of the developers of the of the platform. And uh, so, uh, a friend of mine, Esprit Devora from uh, We Are LA Tech podcast, she said, can you jump on and talk about podcasting? And so me and uh, uh, Ryan Williams of Influencer Economy we jumped on and I'm like, what is this blab thing? It was, like, it was literally like, here's another technology, like yeah. another one. You know, we, there, I feel like there's one coming out like every month. There's like some new technology we got to try. So I had no idea that like a week or two later, like every single podcaster and their mom would be talking about
1: blab and, and it's next best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because Meerkat was all the rage and then it became Periscope. And now it's like Periscope who? Because now this blab thing has come on board and everybody's talking about that. So you're right. Give it another three weeks. Something else will come out and be really cool. And we'll all be talking about that.
0: It's so funny. I feel like we have to think what's a, a verb that hasn't been used that could be just, <laughs> that we could come up with to describe like what the next thing is going to be. So we'll, we'll think of something. Yeah, we will. Um, That's crazy. Well, it's so funny because each thing has its own use, right? So Periscope is really good for mobile, like mobile. I've done Periscopes just being out and about, and I just felt like I had some free time and I wanted to turn it on. And, and you know, lo and behold, like 15 people log on and then just watch, and you can interact. And it's, we have so many different ways with which to engage with our fans, and I think we have to keep trying it and not assume that, um, to your point, there was people that you've never seen before or that you'd never heard of before on Podcasters Group Therapy and I think some people just gravitate naturally towards certain platforms, and some people probably are early adopters to Blab, and they, they run, and they're going to consume everything that's on there. And so I, I know it's hard to be everywhere, but I think it's it's important to be open to all the platforms, because you like like you said, you, you, you never know which one's going to take off, and, and people just have a preference.
1: If there was a way I could do both a Blab and a Google Hangout, I think that it would, it would... Probably crash a lot of systems on our end, but uh yeah I, I like the fact uh, you bring up engagement, and that 's so key it 's so crucial for podcast growth in particular audience growth, right? If you can be engaged and you can have conversations with folks who are listening to you it 's going to really make an impact, and then they 're going to be like I said earlier they 're going to be those super fans and they 're going to go out and, and spread the word and tell people, "Oh, I was on this podcast you know." I was chatting in the chat room and I said something great about the Bengals and the hosts. He read my comment. You know, I remember the first time I had an email read on a podcast and I was so excited. I played it for my wife. I played it for my kids. Like you don't realize the impact that you have. And so the engagement is is really important. And whether you're doing it on Blab, Google Hangouts, whether you're just using an audio like Mixler to stream your audio. That's why I, I, I think doing it live. Really helps with that with that engagement. It's not easy to do, but if you can pull it off, you'll see some rapid growth.
0: Yeah, that whole concept of uh, hearing your name or like you know seeing your name in lights or, or hearing your name um, that never gets old. <laughs> like I mentioned, uh, we were chatting that uh, Dave Jackson left a comment for one of my episodes via Speakpipe, and you know what it does? It it actually reminds me of making sure I continue to give back to the podcast that I enjoy. Because a lot of times we take it for granted, like there's probably a couple of uh, friends of mine whose show I have yet to rate on iTunes. And then I'm, I'm thinking, like, why haven't I done it? I love the show. I listen all the time. And I know how valuable it is because I'm asking for it every week on my show. So... You know, it, it's, it's a good reminder. And I think, you know, we have such a, a healthy, engaging podcasting family that uh, we all help each other out. And I think um, the more we can do to remind each other that, you know, we're not doing this alone and that people are getting value out of it, I think is really important.
1: I love that we're, we're tight knit. I love that, you know, we're, it's not competition. I, I call it coopetition. I'm probably stealing that term from somebody else. And I love the fact that we all support one another. We're, we're all podcasters, right? We're all on the same team. We're all trying to make podcasting as big as it possibly can. We're all trying to spread the word and tell people how great podcasting is. So I, I just love that we can be tight knit. I love the fact that I feel like we're all best friends just hanging out, especially at these conferences. Oh my gosh, they're, they're a blast. I, I have a lot of fun seeing everybody and, yeah you're right it, it's It's cool to to have those reminders and everybody kind of keeps everybody in check right it's nobody's trying to knock anybody down, but we're all trying to up our game and stay on par and stay at the same level as everybody. I think it's good for for everybody
0: so speaking of the the fans and the people that support your show you're you're having a bit of success with uh patreon right
1: yeah we we i, I I'm amazed at the amount of people that contribute to our patreon campaign. You know, when I first start started Patreon, it's it's funny that you, you you brought that up. My my show was actually originally called Who Day Weekly. A lot of people don't know this, but I started a Patreon, and at about a month after I started the Patreon, the NFL came knocking on my door, and <laughs> they made me change the name of my show because apparently the word Who Day is a trademark of the NFL, which is total crap. Yeah, uh, but. So all because of Patreon, I got a cease and desist letter from uh, from the NFL, and thanks Patreon. But no, I'm I'm having a lot of success. We've got 77 patrons right now, and we've got fans from all around the world contributing. And we've got one one fan. I, I won't share his name, but you know it's a him. But this this guy is so passionate and loves what we do. He's contributing $55 a month. That's like a bill of some kind. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> That's like a third of my cell phone bill that he's contributing to, to what we're doing. And that's remarkable. I, I I never would have imagined when I first start, started the campaign that people would contribute like they have. But the fact that we've got 77 people on board, those are the 77 biggest super fans in my eyes.
0: What's so funny is that, that you have that number like on the tip of your tongue, right? 77. And, and I'm sure when, when 78 hits, you'll just remember it like... Every single one of those people are so important to you, whether they're giving a dollar or whether they're giving $55, because they are speaking with their wallet that what you're doing is valuable to them and worth contributing to because they see that this is something that they want to continue.
1: Again, it comes back to the relationship, right? You don't realize the impact. And so... If you're, if you're doing it right and if you're doing the show correctly, you're going to have that, that relationship because podcasting is so personal. And I've heard you say that many times here on, on Podcast Junkies about how personal podcasting really is. You're, the way we consume the shows, through, most of the time through earbuds or headphones, it's, it's one voice into our heads. And in our case, it's four voices into, into a head. But um, yeah, it's, it's all about the relationship. And it, and I, I, I'm stunned. I really am. When I when we first started the show back in 2010, I I never imagined we'd be making money with our podcast. I never imagined that, you know, I'd be able to build this studio in my basement because of the support of the show. I I, I just, it's amazing. I, I, I pinch myself every day, and I'm very thankful and very blessed that we've got such loyal fans. And we must be doing something right with our show, with our content, and and people are digging it.
0: And so, uh, are, how are the other things that you ch- you've tried on the site to monetize? I think you're doing some affiliate ads as well.
1: I did affiliate ads, but once we merged websites with Cincy Jungle, uh, the, the affiliate ads kind of went out the door. It just it, It's not, there's, there's a lot of restrictions on what we can and can't post on the Cincy Jungle website. So I, I stopped with the affiliate ads. But one other way I tried to monetize the show was by as we mentioned earlier, t-shirts and just haven't had a whole lot of luck. What I ended up doing, was making it one of the Patreon levels. So if you contributed at, I think it's $10 level, then you got, you get one of those, one of those t-shirts. So, but as far as selling standalone shirts, it's not going very well. It's also difficult for me because I don't live in Cincinnati. I'm about three hours North of the town. So it's difficult for me to get down there and, and do what you did and just hand them out to people. Which I think probably would go a long way in spreading the word about the podcast too yeah, I think uh no one's
0: figured out sort of the the exact formula for how this should work right <laughs> like, like like for example, I have a patreon page, but i I think uh one person signed up because I, I i at the time everyone was talking about it, so I, of course I set it up and I put a video there, and I was like um And I saw you are in there and I saw some podcasters and I was like, well, I got to support some of these folks. But then I just let it die. I don't even talk about it. It's funny. And obviously, how can I expect people to donate if I don't talk about it? But I think, you know, I've seen folks that have success with it. You know, part of it sometimes comes to this feeling we have of like, you know, feeling bad about asking for help. Right. And it seems like it's an awkward conversation to have.
1: When I first started talking about it on the podcast, I was very apprehensive because you're right. I just felt, I felt bad for asking for help. You know, we have so much pride and we, you know, it's not easy to do. If it was so easy to do, I'd be a salesman and I'd be out like pitching the show for, for sponsors. And that's just not my nature. I'm not, I've never had a sponsor of the show and I've, I don't really know how to go about even getting a sponsor for our show. So if we're, if we're going to get support, you just got to ask. And you know, it it took me a while to get used to it, but I'm to the point now where I've done it enough times where I just, I make it seem nonchalant. Like I'm just not like I'm reading a script, but I've got it almost memorized the way I ask each and every week. And so it it takes a while. It takes a lot of repetition to, to keep beating in people's heads. Like, you need to hear it at least seven to 11 times before you act on it. So the first few times, nobody, we we had a couple people here and there do it. And then it just seems like all of a sudden we had this big explosion of, of support. And, and since it's really plateaued, but that's when you got to get creative and come up with other ideas and other perks and and rewards to, to get people going. And so it's been, uh, it's been a learning experience with Patreon, but I think it doesn't hurt to ask, right? It, it, it doesn't, it's not like they're going to say no to your face. They're just going to ignore you.
0: It's, well, I, I want people to know what your link is. I, it's uh, patreon.com Nick Suberling.
1: Yep, patreon.com slash Nick Zuberling.
0: So obviously, uh, if, if folks see that you're a guest on Podcast Junkies, they're likely a fan of you and your work. And so by virtue of listening to this, if they didn't know now, they know... That you have a Patreon page, which they should go support.
1: And I appreciate your support. If you're if you're willing to contribute, thank you for that. So, th- did you
0: always think that you were going to be, or do you consider yourself a performer?
1: Wow i I never in- envisioned it as a, as, the, as like that. I and even that, yeah. I guess I never really thought of it that way. But I guess we are performers, aren't we? I never. When I went to school for radio broadcasting, it was always based on sports. And I was in a sports organization in college, a a radio sports organization. So we were always covering games. So it was all based on fact, right? It was all, this is what's happening and here's why it's happening in the game. So there was no like level of performance, In in my eyes, it was always, we're just, we're here to report the facts. Mm -hmm. And so now looking back on it and now seeing where our show has progressed. Yeah, we, we are performers and I'll give you an example. Lately on the, on our inside the jungle podcast, there's a, a segment we would do the last few weeks devoted to a, a Bengals player who doesn't have the best skills in the world. Uh, And a lot of people Don't think he should be on the team, but I kept saying no matter how much hatred this guy was getting, I knew he was going to make the roster. And so we, we, we dedicated a a quick five second segment to it. I made a little countdown clock. And so I counted down the days to the Bengals season opener, which is this week, this coming weekend. And we called it the Brandon Tate countdown to kickoff. And people loved that segment. It was so stupid and so corny, but people loved the fact that I devoted 10 seconds to it every, every week in the podcast. I got some cool little fanfare music that I would play and bring it in with an announcer voice. This is the brand and take countdown to kickoff. And I would list the, how much time was left on the counter and then we'd be done. <laughs> but people, they, they seem to enjoy it. So that's probably the first time we tried comedy on our show. And it's not even really comedy. It was really by accident, but it is a performance, and it is, you're trying to make the experience for listeners memorable, and so I I do my best to make the show entertaining. So I guess yeah, we we are performers. Well,
0: it's funny because you want to you've got to step up your game every year, right? Because it, it, you can't keep doing the same things over and over and expecting you know, that the fans won't get tired of it because also there's going to be competitors in this space. I'm sure there's new Bengals podcasts that have come up and have listened to your show and said, well, I can do that as well. And um, so it, it seems like you've always,
1: always got to be on your toes. Got to be on my toes. And yes, there is another Bengals podcast that has since cropped up. And it's hosted and produced by the local newspaper in Cincinnati. The best part about that, though, Harry, is the beat writer for the Cincinnati Bengals, I taught how to podcast. I showed him the ropes, and then he went and got this job with the Cincinnati Enquirer, and now he's hosting podcasts there. And if, it's like, really? <laughs> well, so, well, you know what's interesting,
0: Nick, is uh, and I've heard this a couple of times now with folks who, you know, they, 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 you can take one of two paths, right? You can embrace the fact that it's a large pie. Right and there's plenty of room for everyone, and just have like an abundance mentality and say, you know what, there's plenty, and and you did a good thing by helping them out, you know, and 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 I think you if if you had another chance to do it again, you probably would.
1: I would do it uh, for sure. The best part though, Harry, is he and I graduated high school together, so it's like that's why it's added salt in the wound. But the difference, uh, the thing about their show compared to ours, we're we're fans, so we can say what we want. He's a reporter. So he can't really say what's on his mind. He's got to report the facts and, and be nice because the Bengals, obviously, they'll, they'll make the Enquirer pay if they're sitting there ripping the, the team on, a, on, a, on, their, on their website. The difference between his show and ours is he's got access to the team and we don't. And that, that's the disappointing thing. We've been doing the show for five years and the, the sad thing is that the Bengals are so set in their old school, traditional media ways that they... They just don't see us as relevant. And you know, what they don't realize is, hey, I went to school. I have a degree in broadcast journalism. So it's not like I'm just some dude sitting in my parents' basement. No, I'm sitting in my basement. (laughs) And I treat this as a professional show. We are amateurs by trade, but I I I don't mess around on the show. I, you know, I, I don't curse. When I probably could, being a Bengals fan, we've seen them enough over the years that I could definitely curse. But I treat it as an actual radio program that you could play on the actual airwaves if you you really wanted to. But the Bengals just – they don't really – they don't see eye to eye with us. Yeah, a lot of times what happens
0: is sometimes the buzz builds enough and fans make enough noise that word gets around to them by a a route that you probably could never have predicted – or through some channel that you probably never even saw or that might not even be available you know at some point maybe they might hire someone next year that's super social savvy and you know these people that are in these office jobs at some point they've got to retire and just new fresh blood comes in and savvy blood and people that are getting hired now you know companies have social media experts coming on board people have like people that want to understand podcasting and all the all these different channels so
1: i think it's just a matter of time especially in that market the the print journalism market with newspapers dying the way they are, they need, to, they need to monetize what they're doing. That's why when you see the deal that Midroll just made with, with Scripps not too long ago, uh, Scripps actually owns Cincinnati Enquirer. So this is a very big deal that, that, that they're getting involved in the, the digital media space because they've got to evolve just like everybody else. And so if, you know, I, I'm not surprised that they, they have a podcast now. And if you're a podcast producer... You should be contacting your local newspaper and saying, hey, I have these services. Here's what we can do. And, and see, you never know. You never know.
0: Yeah, I think it's as as old as podcasting is, just having celebrated 10 years, I guess, and it's still in its relative infancy. If you think about it in, in, in the span of like an, an adult's life, 10 years old, right? <laughs> 10 years old is still,
1: you're still a, a kid. Yeah, and there, and. The best part is in those ten years, the the space has grown tremendously. You know, back in the day we had to handwrite our XML code and we had to sync our iPods to iTunes in order to get the podcasts on our you know on our iPod. Now with mobile phones evolving the way that they have and smartphones coming out, now you can just subscribe on your podcatcher on your phone and you know it, it, I've seen different phases just in those 10 years and who knows where it's going to take us in the next 10, but I'm really excited and I I think it's going to be, it's going to be a tremendous next decade for podcasting.
0: It's so funny when you were saying that I had a vision of you in your rocking chair. As, as a grandfather, and your grandkids coming up to you and saying, Grandpa, can you tell us about hand-coding XML or <laughs> ha- manually
1: syncing your, your phone for your uh, podcast update? That's, that's really funny. Yeah, you know, technology is it's a great thing, right? But it also, you take a lot for granted. So we were watching the Apple announcement yesterday. And they were talking about the iPad Pro, and my wife said, "Do you realize our kids aren't going to be typing on keyboards?" And you stop and think about that, and you're just like, "Wow, yeah, that's that's going to happen. That's crazy to think about." It is. I mean,
0: when when they do these, that you know, they 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 do these things. I think you probably see them on Facebook or on the internet, and they're like. You know, seven years ago today, or nine years ago today, I don't even know. No, I think Facebook is only—I don't even think Facebook is ten years old. I think it's seven or eight or something like that. And it's such a ingrained part of people's lives, and and that's how all these things are. Like you, you, we take them for granted now, but like you know, ten years ago, it was a very very different time. And it's so funny. Like Back to the Future, I think the future was two thousand fifteen.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. That is crazy. So,
0: I was. I was thinking when you were talking about, um, being, uh, the concept of being a performer for your show, if there was any aspect of you growing up where that sort of, um, that that aspect of you came
1: out, like, were you like theater guy, were you putting on
0: shows or anything like that?
1: I remember at a young age, I, I liked to write books. Like on like on paper, and I would fold them over and and staple the little, I don't know what you call that—the seam or the the spine, the the binding or yeah, spine, yeah, yeah. something like that. And I would write like my own version of what happened in like the World Series. So like, I remember it just I only I only remember it because the earthquake happened during the World Series back in 1989 uh, in in Oakland in San Francisco, and I would write these books for the World Series every year. And so that, although it's not a, a performance, so to speak, it was me expressing myself and, and talking about sports. And then I do remember being in the sixth grade play. Uh, we did Robin Hood and I was King Richard, but I was like the goofy character. Like I was the one that made everybody laugh through the show. So that really kind of got the juices flowing. Like I was really excited when I got that reaction from the crowd and people laughing at me. Then I, you know, I sold it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I stole the show. And then, um, I never really did theater after that. I, I gave theater a shot in my senior year of high school. We did a play. Uh, we did Brigadoon and we had to like speak in Scottish brogue accents and it was awful, but it was fun. and, Got to do some singing and dancing on stage and, and kilts. And, it, you know, it, it prepared me for life in college and being on the air. You know, the, the cool thing about being on, on student radio in college is that I know nobody's listening. <laughs> the only people listening are the yeah. people in that room. So you can, you can just kind of relax and, and, and let it fly. And so, yeah, I, I did some performing, I guess you could say, growing up. in in sixth grade and in my senior year. But outside of that, I didn't really, I was too busy playing sports. So maybe that was a way of performing as well. I was always playing soccer and then that led to football in high school and that sort of thing. What's fascinating is that when you tell your story, the example
0: that you give Still relates to sports. You're, you're talking about. I thought maybe you would say like I wrote. I was writing like a horror novel or something like that. No, you were actually writing a basically play by play of the of the sports of So you I mean you've had the sports book for a long time?
1: Yeah, sports is kind of my thing, and. I don't know what I would do without sports. It's it's crazy. And now it's trickling down into to my kids' lives. You know, I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team and my son plays soccer and he plays baseball and he's trying to do all these sports. He wants to play football and basketball. I'm like, man, pick one sport because <laughs> you're right. It's um we're we're a sports loving family and I, I just I crave it, man. I I could watch bowling on television <laughs> if you wanted me to. And I and I would I would enjoy it. That's funny. So I'm um, I'm wondering if there there's a lesson that you
0: learned when you were when you were playing sports as a kid, uh, in terms of what to do, what not to do, and obviously there's a lot of concerns with like injuries nowadays. So as a parent, you're probably thinking about that. So um, are are you translating some of that into your kids in terms of what they play? Are you, or, or I'm not sure if they're at their age where you need to worry about it, but at some point, it,
1: it may have crossed your mind. I. The only thing that I, I kind of instill in my kids and the things that I learned growing up playing sports was, and this actually relates to podcasting as well, is do your best all the time, 100% and give it your all, whether it's a practice or a game, because you never know who's watching. And in our case, you never know who's listening. If I take a show off and just goof around and don't give it my all, you know, what happens if a, a local radio presenter down in Cincinnati hears that? you know, then they're going to think this guy is a hack. He's, he's a wannabe. But if I'm on 100% all the time, whether I'm, um, doing the pre-show stuff or something after the show, I, I, as long as I can say, I gave it my all. I could be proud of the fact that, you know, what I've done and what have I, what I've accomplished. So that's the one thing I've really tried to teach them is like, look, it's a practice. Your coaches are watching hustle just just try your best give it your 100 percent, and then at the end of the night if you say if you can tell me you gave your best effort you should feel proud of yourself
0: that's awesome advice and that's a fantastic way for you to bring that back into podcasting that was awesome <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I yeah i i don't know what to say though sorry no you don't have to that was a drop the mic that was a drop the mic moment
0: <laughs> so as we get into uh the home stretch here i'm wondering um if, if it's in radio or podcasting, if you have uh, someone who's, who's been a mentor to you and just kind of given you inspiration and or guidance as, as you've been doing
1: this? I have always been a Howard Stern fan. And it's crazy because he is crazy. His audience is crazy. The whack Pack is crazy. Those are his super fans, right? Um, I, I grew up watching him on, on E and seeing the interviews that he would do and, and his show, and, and then finally he, you know, his show became available in Cincinnati, and then I ended up getting serious satellite radio right around the time when uh, he joined the, the satellite radio ranks. And I just, I'm a complete admirer of, of what he does. You talk about a performer. This guy, he, he's, he does it all. That's why they call him the king of all media, though. I think technically he can't call himself that until he does a podcast, even though he rips on us. Yeah, he's not a fan. <laughs> not a fan, but, um, but no, I, I enjoy the way he, he interviews his guests. I love the way that his show is just entertaining. It just I can't turn the radio off when I'm listening to him. And, and that, that's really remarkable. Um, another one of my influences growing up was Marty Brenneman. And he is the, the play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds. He's been doing it now since the early 70s. So he's going on nearly 50 years of being in the booth with the, with the Reds. That's pretty cool. And he's, he's in the Hall of Fame, in the Baseball Hall of Fame as well for, for his broadcasting skills. And I, I grew up listening to him. I would, when I was little, I would take a little tiny handheld radio. And you know, back in the day when uh, it was time for bed, I would – hide my radio under my pillow and I would just turn the volume up just ever so much that I could hear it through my pillow, but not loud enough that if my mom or dad were to walk by, they would know I'd be listening to the radio. And so I would listen to Reds games on a nightly basis well after my bedtime. And I just, I loved the way he presented the game and that, that's the reason why I went into sports broadcasting as my, my major in college. I wanted to do what, what he did and uh, it's all because of, of him and Howard Stern were, those were my two biggest influences on me when and why I wanted to do radio.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you if you think about those two, you know, and the fact that they really shape um, where you're at now in terms of your podcast, and I can totally see how those two could influence you and and how you want to grow your show.
1: Yeah, and it's, and I never thought it would take me 12 years, but I finally just recently got my very first radio gig. Okay. And so I'm now applying, you know, I've been doing the podcasting thing for almost, I guess, yeah, for 10 years now. And that, that was more entertainment based, like the, the Howard Stern side of me. And then now I'm doing play, uh, sports play by play for a local high school football team on real radio. <laughs> hey. Um, and so now I'm applying the, the stuff I learned in college and the the stuff I listened to growing up in Marty Brenneman and how to make the game entertaining yet also tell the fact and tell the story of what's happening uh, with each play. So it's been a lot of fun. Now I'm doing both at the same time and really trying to balance that. And it's been a lot, it's, it's been refreshing and it gives me, you know, now that I'm experiencing that side of things again, for the first time in 12 years, it's, I think it's making my podcast better because you know, I'm I'm on real radio now, and so it's just it's, it's a lot more practice. It's a lot more on air time, and, and like I said, I think it's making my podcast better.
0: That's funny how all that comes around, right? Because you were influenced by radio, and then you start a podcast, and then you end up on radio, and that's probably something you want to send over to Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting, because of <laughs> my podcast story. I'm sure he'd love to hear that.
1: Yeah, he he knows. I haven't sent it to him just yet, but he he knows about it, and it, it's it's pretty cool. Like. The other night, uh, on Friday night, I, at halftime, I checked my phone and uh, to get a text message from Dave. He was actually listening to the game. Like that's pretty cool. Awesome. Like it, it, nobody cares about Perry'sburg High School football, but Dave Jackson over in Cleveland, which is what, a two-hour drive from here, he, you know, he, he he's took the time to, to send me a text and and tell me that I'm doing a really good job, and that that that's pretty awesome. It's it's been a lot of fun. The other nights. Um, in the press box about midway through the third quarter, the power went out. And so my play-by-play man, he's probably in his mid-60s, pulls out his flip phone. I'm not even kidding you. He (laughs) still has a flip phone, right? And he calls into the radio station and just starts broadcasting the game from his cell phone. And he's talking and talking and talking. And then he he looks at me and points down. He tells me to sit down. So I sat down. And he starts talking, and then when he's done, he shoves the phone in my face and just mouths the word "talk." And so, I'm, oh, okay, so so the rest of the game, he would talk on his phone and put it in my face, and then I would talk. It was very bizarre, but it got the job done. Wow, I mean, that totally
0: speaks to that like it, that that almost old school adage of the show must go on. This is like some P.T. Barnum thing. Like, <laughs> like you like that's that's a moment where you feel like you just got like schooled in like how things are done and how you got to do whatever you can do by hook or by crook and when all this newfangled technology fails it's as it's prone to do yeah, i mean obviously he was still jumping on a cell phone but it, it, you know in the past they probably would have jumped on a landline or something like that but it was amazing it's probably it was, it was probably an interesting thing to watch
1: and, and, and experience it was de- definitely interesting um he would shove that phone in my face and you, you know your initial reaction is to back up and you know, and it made it difficult to see the game. And, and at the same time, he's like looking, he's looking directly at me as I'm talking. So I'm like, I can kind of see his eyes like, am I saying the right thing? <laughs> so, and this is only our second game working together. Wow. So you throw that in the mix and it, it made for an interesting night, but we pulled it off. The, and you're right. The show must go, must go on because there are advertisers and sponsors that are paying for that broadcast and they need to hear their ads and we've got to give it to them. So you're right. Wow, I'm super happy for you, Nick. That's that's awesome. Is that is that show broadcast on the internet as well? It is. You can find us on iHeartRadio on uh, 100.7 The Zone in Toledo, Ohio, and it's also on perrysburgradio.com.
0: Very cool. So, last uh, question, and obviously, I know you're a, a big fan of technology and having studied radio. You know, your your setup and your sound is awesome, and I'm always impressed when I, when I when we're on camera together because I. <laughs> You've got all the setup and all the cameras and all the, the mics and everything working professionally. And I'm sure your teachers in college would be very proud of you now. But as you think about um, how, fa- how quickly things are changing, what's got you excited
1: about uh, podcasting in the next six, 6 to 12 months? Wow. So the next year. I just think the fact that more and more people are talking about what podcasting is and pe- more and more people are – being educated on on what it is that we do. You know, it used to be where if I were to say to somebody at my at my real job, "Do you know what a podcast is?" you know, 8 out of 10 people would look at me and go, "I've never heard of that term before," right? But I could probably go and poll 10 people at work today and I could probably get that number down to 4 out of 10 that don't know what podcasting is. And that's all because of things like smartphones and Having podcast apps available to download on you know your Android device or your you know the podcast app on your iphone i I, I think the biggest thing over the next twelve months is going to be continue to to educate people about podcasting get that word spread uh, about what it is that we do because the the perception is is that it's amateur hour that it's you know some Dungeons and dragons dude sitting in mom and dad's basement eating pizza rolls and and you know just not not doing not doing anything around the house and just being being that guy. That's the perception. But the reality is there are a lot of professionals that take this serious and they present and create amazing content. And that's the beauty of podcasting. I, I think that a lot of people, they probably, the, there's nothing, they're probably going to download the show and they're going to see, oh, it's just some sports podcaster. He doesn't know anything. But in reality, I'm doing the same thing that Sarah Koenig is doing. I'm telling a story, only it's about the Cincinnati Bengals. So we are content creators, whether it's sports, business, tech, entrepreneur, we're all in this together. And our job now for the next year, the next two years is to educate and get people on board with what we're doing.
0: I think that's a fantastic way to wrap up the show. And I think uh, if folks use your show and what you're doing with um, your podcast as an example of how things need to be done and how seriously you need to take this, then I think it's going to bode well for people that are coming into the space because they they need to look at people that inspire them and show them how it should be done. Um, And of course, you and I were both inspired by people who came before us, and so I think it's important that we continue that tradition. So I, I think that's fantastic, um, and I'm excited about the, what the future holds, and uh, I think it's nothing but good times ahead. But of course, I'm I probably going to get uh, mail from all my Dungeons & Dragons fans now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and again, I don't mean any disrespect I'm just, I, I'm just saying what the perception is. <laughs> I totally get you. So uh, f- we've
0: mentioned a couple of sites, but uh, if people want to track you down and, and uh, engage with you a bit more, what's the best place for that?
1: You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Nick Suberling. That's S-E-U-B-E-R-L-I-N-G. I'm also on cincyjungle.com. And another big thing, and part of this education, Harry, is I'm proud to be a part of the team bringing uh, together international podcast day coming up on September 30th. So help us educate podcasters, help us educate people that don't know what podcasting is and and tell them about podcasting on September 30th, international podcast day.com.
0: That's fantastic. And thanks for that reminder. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I got to start stepping up my um, increased aware uh, awareness to my
1: listeners of that day as well. It's going to be important. It's a huge day and we, we need a day as podcasters and I'll proudly be waving my podcasting flag on September 30th. Sounds good.
0: All right. Thanks again for coming on. I had a fantastic time talking to you, Nick.
1: Dude, you have no idea how honored I am to be on your show. I, I think you're one of the best interviewers in podcasting. And the fact that you asked me to be on your show, I, I bow down to you, sir. Thank you for having me on.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nick Suberling of Inside the Jungle. I got to know Nick through um, a couple of groups, both the the Google group for uh, podcasters group therapy that he hosts with Corey and Tony Fineran, which I highly recommend you check out. And, and also through meeting him a couple of times, he's really engaging. He's uh, a big guy. He's six, five probably. Um, but just really warm hearted. Um, and I, we hit it off immediately and I knew, um, in short order, that I would need to have him on the show, so I'm glad he was able to make it, and I hope you enjoy that conversation. So, show notes will be found at podcastjunkies.com, along with a variety of links that will allow you to engage with us. Don't forget, uh, there's a survey available in the newsletter, so please sign up for the newsletter, and you'll get details about that. And as always, um, it's... Very helpful for you to support the show through a rating, a subscription, and a review. And you can do that um, at podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes. I talked about it briefly on the show with Nick, and I think I I need to do that more uh, for the shows that I'm really a fan of. Because if I'm asking for the support, then I should be um, cognizant of the fact that it's very helpful for other uh, podcasters. That are friends of mine to receive that as well. So I'm going to make sure I do that. You may have heard me mention on the episode that I actually have a Patreon page. So every once in a while, I'll mention it. You can head on over to Patreon.com/slash Podcast Junkies and be maybe I think the second person to support the show. <laughs> it's not something I'm pushing um, actively, and I think we touched upon it in the episode. And it's really this reservation we have about asking for help, but. Um, Anything we collect there will go towards the production of this show and uh, it'll be greatly appreciated. And it's another way to support it. These podcasts are not free to make, but I'm going to definitely continue to invest my time and my money to to do that because I really enjoy it and I really enjoy bringing these episodes to you on a weekly basis. So do what you can, check it out. And if you can't uh, support it, at least spread the word about the show if you're enjoying it. And engage with us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. So, uh, thanks again to Cedar and Soil, the producers of the theme music for the show. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening. If you've made it this far, then you'll know there's a hashtag uh, retention, a retention hashtag, sorry, here. And so, what we'll do is we'll make it uh, Nick Bengals. N-I-C-K-B-E-N-G-A-L-S in honor of his podcast. Hashtag Nick Bengals. And uh, that'll show the, the folks that you're a hardcore podcast junkie. Thanks again, guys. Have a fantastic weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.